invite you to take your Bibles, and we're going to turn now to Luke chapter 4. just want to read a few verses from Luke 4, but mainly we're reading Luke 5. Luke 4, just a reminder of how this began. We were beginning our sermon series in the ministry of Jesus. In Luke 4, verse 16, Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then turning to verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and, he, and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So let's now read Luke 5, the first 26 verses. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And it happened when he was in a certain city, and behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one but Go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now this is going to be our, our focus. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, 
that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before him, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. That's our reading for this morning. May God add his blessing to the word we've read. After the sermon, we're going to be singing hymn 78. Congregation, loved by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you ever describe yourself as somebody who's trapped? Do you ever think of yourself as someone who's captive, like a prisoner, stuck, helpless? Maybe you could think of certain patterns of behavior you're stuck in, maybe even addictions. Maybe you endure depression. So many ways that you can feel helpless, powerless to change your circumstances. And then, how many people do you know? How many people do you love and care for who can't get out of their situation either? Who can free us from addictions? Who can free us from our helplessness? from our weaknesses. Well, we're going to see this morning someone released. We were reading it, Luke 5. Forgiveness is the word, in the original Greek language, it's the word released. After a while, you use a word and it becomes a whole theological word, like big fancy word, like forgiveness. But it started out with release. It's being released from your guilt, your shame. Now, to picture that, imagine being weighed down like this fellow that comes before Jesus. Imagine being weighed down by 150 pounds or whatever of flesh. You want to, but you cannot move your arms or your legs. You're paralyzed. Your whole body is dead weight. And you're a helpless prisoner stuck to your bed. You need release. 
This morning, we're watching Jesus Christ release a paralyzed man. Jesus, the anointed one, he had said at the beginning of his ministry, we read that, John 4, uh, Luke 4, verse 18, I have been anointed by the Spirit of God to proclaim good news to the poor. But did you catch this? To proclaim liberty, you might have, or freedom, But there's the word release. To proclaim release to the captives. Sight to the blind. To proclaim, and then you have it again. Liberty for the oppressed. There's release again. This is going to characterize Jesus' ministry. And as we come to the story, there's a lot about being trapped in this whole story. You notice that there's guests that day from way out of town, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, from all over Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. They've come a long ways to observe Jesus, and they are going to be questioning Jesus. They're going to trap him or try. And then there's this crowd. You have to see that too. There's like a sea of people, a swarm that multitudes are getting in the way. They plug up You know how it is that when you can be in a, you have quite a few people in a building like this, but as you make your way through the entry, things can get pretty bottled up there. And the Lord Jesus has been constantly telling those he's healed, tell no one. I don't need these crowds. Verse 15 says, but even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. Crowds are not a good thing. They're trapping. And so the paralyzed man, he is the patient. I call him a patient who needs to see the doctor, Jesus Christ. But he cannot. He's trapped in different ways. He he can't go anywhere because he's paralyzed. He can't go anywhere because of this useless crowd in the way. He needs to be freed. So uh, the point, the, the message I'm bringing this morning is watch what Jesus does. The Lord proclaims release to the paralyzed man. The Lord proclaims release to the paralyzed man. And we're going to just break this down in three parts. First of all, we'll see the patient. Then we'll see the Lord's priority, and thirdly, the Lord's proof. Our text in verse 17 says, on one of those days, interesting, one of those days, certain day after the leper had been healed, Jesus was teaching. And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. It's kind of an odd thing to mention that they were sitting there when you have a whole room packed full Picture a crowd standing, standing room only, and then some people sitting there, and you almost get a sense of their importance. They're there to judge, and they're sitting. You need to have some idea of that house, because their houses back then were a lot different. This is probably not going to pick, they're not going to pick the smallest home there. Research says that you could probably cram 50 people into one of those homes, one of the bigger ones. Uh, They don't always have a finished floor. It's often a dirt floor. Mud brick or stone walls. And then the ceiling. That's important. 
The roof is mostly flat. Big wooden support beams go from one wall to the other, and then joining these wood beams would be branches. And branches covered with mud that's then dried out, so it's become clay to make it waterproof. Some other Bible stories, you'll remember, some other Bible stories will mention these roofs and how usable they are. They often have steps going on the outside of the house to get up to the roof. Think of the prophet Elisha, 2 Kings 4, the prophet Elisha, he rents some space from an old widow and he uses the roof as his workshop. Think of Rahab's house in Joshua chapter 2. Rahab the harlot, she had a roof where she dried the flax and she hid the spies under the flax. Remember that? The point is Jesus was in the house. It's probably a hot sunny day, fairly typical there. And the Lord Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God and the good news of the kingdom. Luke 4 verse 43 calls it the good news of the kingdom. And that's when everyone would have been distracted. They started to hear scraping sounds, scratching, digging noises. And it says here, some men, the other gospels will mention maybe four men, have climbed the outside stairway to get to the top of the roof. They'd carried the paralyzed man with them. And now they're digging their way through, uh, through the mud and the branches. Obviously, this is going to be distracting. Jesus would have to stop at one point because of the noise and because of the falling clunks of clay. This is not a good time to talk about how to love your neighbor as yourself and that if you really loved your neighbor, this is not something you would do to somebody's house. And it would, you could make a whole theological fight about it like we did during COVID, that uh, if you really loved your neighbor, this is what you would do for your friends, or really, if you loved your neighbor, this is what you would do for the house. You would just, don't make it theological. They just ruin the house. Who cares? What's really important is that the roof has been opened up, and it's all quiet now. No words. Unusual, right? No calling out. Not like we've heard from the leper before. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Just silence. And verse 20 says, And when Jesus saw their faith. This is important. Notice the Lord Jesus sees their faith. These men, maybe four of them, Plus one, the fellow that they were carrying, had faith. What kind of faith did they have? Good question. What kind of faith did they have? Remember, Luke 5 began with Peter's faith. We read that fishing story. Peter with the K-whatevs. I guess I'll throw my net on the, other, uh, on, on, on the deep side in the middle of the day, like whatever you know about fishing. Because you said so, that was Peter's kind of faith, with all the doubts included. And remember the leper, the leper's faith, the unclean man making his way through the crowd, and he's saying, Lord, if you are willing, 
Okay, I know you can. I have that faith. I know you can. But are you willing? I'm not sure about your heart. Again, it's uh, an unusual kind of faith. Usually, what do we think of when we think of faith? Being certain of that which we can't see. Something we would believe down in our hearts. But what the Lord Jesus shows, what He's calling faith, is what everyone in that house could see. They could see it with their eyes. You don't need to see into somebody's heart to call that faith. These men have what's obvious. They've gone through this to get their friend to see Jesus. They've gone through such extremes to get their friend to see the Lord Jesus. And no, their faith doesn't seem to have anything to do with sin or salvation or eternal life. But right there, only after seeing their faith does Jesus talk about sin. But what he calls faith is this obvious, this desperate, extreme action of the people to get to him. Faith is overcoming obstacles to get to Jesus. Ignoring proper protocol. Ignoring cultural norms. Ignoring uncleanness. Ignoring what's taboo. Ignoring what people might think of you. Faith is getting to Jesus above all. We have many examples. Unclean lepers ignore how unclean they are. Short people like Zacchaeus would climb trees. Blind people like Bartimaeus call out at the top of their lungs even when told to be silent. Parents bring in their children when their disciples are turning them away. A woman shamed by bleeding sneaks up to touch the edge of Jesus' garment. A foreign woman begs for a crumb to fall off the Israel's table. A Roman centurion begs for his servant to be healed by a word. Each time, you've got hundreds of them. Each time the Lord Jesus says, Faith is the coming to me as you are. When you've gone through extremes to get to him, that is faith. John 6, 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Do you have faith? Do you have this muscle kind of faith? Do you have this action kind of faith? The the physical, get up and do this and do that. The kind of faith that you can set the alarm clock to and your two feet hit the ground. That kind of faith. Because you realize no faith. What does no faith look like? No faith is autopilot. It's tradition. It's no effort. People drag you here. People push and shove you to get you to pray to the Lord Jesus. That's not faith. Notice, first of all, that faith is doing everything to come to Jesus. But notice, there's more to that. 
those who come to Jesus might not, like, like this fellow here, might not be coming to him because of their sin or sinfulness. It, it might not even be spiritual. What kind of faith comes to Jesus for, for sickness? For being paralyzed? They're so concerned with their health, their physical bodies. Shouldn't they be more like this crowd? Look at the crowd. They're sitting there quietly listening to Jesus' teaching. They're concerned about their spiritual health. They want to know God. So brothers and sisters, the reason Jesus calls it faith, when people would literally dig through a roof, they must know who He is. They must be beginning to know who He is. So far what we've seen in Luke, all creation is starting to to understand who Jesus is. All creatures have been tripping over themselves to make way for Jesus Christ or to flee from Him. He is the, Luke's word, Son of Man. That's how Jesus refers to Himself so often. Also verse 24, with all the Son of Man of Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man who's got all dominion, authority, power, He's got an eternal kingdom. You've been seeing Jesus Christ, the Son of Man to this point. God's second Adam. The one who should have been in charge of creation properly. This would have been Adam if he was without a fall. Newly in charge, come with all authority. He would say no to the serpent. This son of man would. He would tell Satan to get in place. And the demons. And fevers. And fish. And leprosy. You name it. We've been seeing these miracles of the son of man. God's man. And this is faith. If you come to Jesus with your earthly brokenness, yeah, the physical problems you have, the groanings, the sorrows, the pains, the useless efforts, the helpless attempts you've had in your life, and you've come to Him, you've found the right house, you've found the Son of Man. Because you're stuck, you're, you're trapped, you're helpless, you're trying the same thing again and again, hoping for different results. Maybe this is in your marriage, in parenting, in friendships, at work, with your money, your health. And you come to the right one. The Son of Man. God's anointed one. The one who quotes Isaiah 61 and says, This is fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. I've been anointed to proclaim release for the captive. I came to bring paradise, that glorious freedom. This is what Jesus calls faith. Coming to me as you are, enslaved and helpless. So let me ask you again do you come to Jesus? Any sign in your life that you're overcoming obstacles to get to Jesus Himself? Tearing off any roofs lately? 
Are you yelling at the side of a street? Are you climbing trees? Are you ignoring shame? Are you coming near people with your uncleanness? Because no one has accidentally come to the Son of Man. I encourage you, especially if you have an alarm clock, you set the alarm clock to come to Jesus in prayer. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to, to bring your friends and have your friends bring you. Can you find four people who will encourage you to bring you before the Lord Jesus? Because look at this paralyzed man. Back to that story. The guy had finished lowering, the, the four friends had finished lowering him through the roof. At this point, they probably would have dropped the ropes down through the hole too. So the man is lying there right in front of Jesus, silent. Amazing how silent this fellow is and helpless. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, men, your sins are forgiven you. And everyone so far has seen what the paralyzed man needs. He needs to be released. He can't move. He's trapped. He's trapped now even more. He doesn't even have four to help him. But the Lord Jesus sees him. And the Lord Jesus sees a lot more. Jesus says there is something you need. You need release from sin. It's our second point, the Lord's priority. This man's sins. We're talking about his eternal, his, this, this internal guilt. This internal guilt is I have done wrong. This internal shame is I am a bad person. His relationship with God. There's something paralyzed about the heart of this man. That means there's something about his heart that cannot just do things. Like a heart that doesn't have hands that work. Legs, arms, feet. This man could easily be trapped by the, all the accusations of Satan. There's something of his heart loaded down with hundreds of pounds of guilt. And Jesus sees all of that inside of him. And we're told so little here. I wish we knew more. This paralyzed man, he says nothing, so we don't really have access to what he was thinking. Did he want forgiveness? What was he feeling? Was he relieved to hear Jesus say, your sins are forgiven you? What was he thinking about? What, what things, what sins was he thinking of? Was this man thinking that there was some connection between former sins and the fact that he was paralyzed? We're not told. This is the point, though. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't come to give him a band-aid. The Lord Jesus didn't come to repair him the way 
a farmer would, with duct tape and baler twine. He came to deal with sin first because all sin, not necessarily a particular sin, but all sin causes us to be trapped, enslaved, and powerless. All sin leads to death. And you see it on some more than others. If our sins are not dealt with, the brokenness, the pain, the grief, the suffering, all of that just gets worse. Because sin is rebellion against God. And as long as there is rebellion against God, like says who, why are you telling me what to do? As long as there's rebellion, there is no paradise. There is only death. And Jesus goes under the surface to the very heart and soul. Remember the leper? Just the last story about the leper. The cleansing had to be more than skin deep. All that uncleanness that you heard in the Old Testament was teaching you something about how deep sin goes. And now we're at the priority. What comes first for the Lord Jesus? Straight to the heart. There's the root cause of the problem. Jesus Christ puts his finger on the man's heart and on his soul. And I hope you know how much the Lord Jesus enjoys this. Maybe you can't tell, but if you were to compare it to the previous with the leper. Remember the leper comes to the Lord Jesus and, and the thing is, I know you can do it, Lord. I know you can. But are you willing? And the answer was, yes, I'm willing. I want to, Jesus had said. Now today, here's the paralyzed man. He's lowered in front of Jesus. You want to see Jesus Christ light up. It's in this moment. I'm more than willing to release you. This is why I've come. I'm going to release you from something you haven't even mentioned yet. Maybe it slipped your mind, this whole thing about sin. The invisible burden on this man's heart. You've been missing the mark. There's been this bullseye of God's purpose for you. Why He created you. For the glory of God. That kind of slipped your mind, didn't it? Sin is sometimes not even aiming for God's glory. Sin is sometimes aiming the opposite way, on purpose. No matter your sins, what is most important to the Lord Jesus Does Jesus wait for this man to list his sins? Jesus holds off with healing the paralysis. You can picture this. The Lord Jesus would hold off with healing whatever you've got. Whatever burden you're carrying, paralysis or leprosy or sickness, whatever is wrecking your life, your, your relationships, your, your money situation and at work, Jesus says, I want your heart to be right first. That's my priority. So Jesus is saying is, if you've come to me, I want you to be right with God. I can do all this other stuff. 
But you know the expression. It's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's like lipstick on a pig. I want you to be right with God. Do you hear Jesus? His first love. Be right with your God in heaven. You are released from your sins. You're released from all that weight of your sins that makes you good for nothing. Is that our priority? Is that yours? I think, first of all, church prayer requests. We get, we get a few prayer requests for our public prayer in church. And the most common ones, the easiest ones, are the ones praying for the person who's paralyzed. The rarest ones, the more difficult ones, are the prayer requests. How often do we get them? Lord, pray for so-and-so who's burdened by sins. He's caught in sin. Trapped in it. And as a church, we're going to have to move in the direction of praying for what Jesus wants most. His priority. Release for the captive. Freedom for the oppressed. That's the second point. What comes first for the Lord Jesus? Dealing with our sins. What keeps us estranged from God. And then he'll deal with the paralyzed body. That's our third point, the Lord's proof. Back in verse 17, we read of a group of people that are in the house where Jesus is. Verse 17, there are the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and they're probably investigating what Jesus is saying. They're sitting down, which is in a crowded house, is not very nice, and they're judging. Earlier, a few verses ago, there was this leper, he, he was cleansed. Remember the leper? He had to go and show himself to the priests as a testimony, as a witness to them. Keep that fresh in your mind, because now, here's a paralyzed man, and he's showing himself to the crowd. Pharisees, teachers of the law. Right now, there's a theological fight breaking out between the religious leaders and Jesus. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, are saying, you can't say that. That's blasphemy to proclaim forgiveness, to proclaim release from sins. Only God can do that. And notice, Jesus makes this the hill to die on. Literally. You know, he could back off and not offend people and try to be as inclusive and peace-loving and all the rest. But this is the heart of the gospel. If the church is ever going to have to have a fight, if there's ever going to be a church split, it has to be along these lines. Why did Jesus come? Did he or did he not come to proclaim liberty to the captive? Freedom for the oppressed? Release from sin. That's forgiveness. Did he come for that? 
Yes, let me prove it, Jesus says. Verse 23, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you, or rise up and walk. And maybe you're, you're going to be saying like, oh, they're both easy to say. I know the children would be like, anyone can say those things. They're both easy to say. We could have a volunteer right now who wants to say, your sins are forgiven you. Oh, somebody else you want to say, rise up and walk. Oh, they're both easy to say, aren't they? But this is the point, really. Anyone can say, your sins are forgiven you. That is the easiest one to say. Anyone can say it because there's no proof whether that actually did something. Whether your sins were truly forgiven. You know what's harder to say? Rise up and walk. Saying that to a paralyzed person. Because then we would know if you're a prophet or not. Deuteronomy 18 mentioned, this is how you will know a prophet, if what he says comes to pass. So why don't you say something difficult like, rise up and walk? Here's the proof. The Lord Jesus says something that you can see with your own two eyes. Verse 24, that you may know the Son of Man. Oh wait, who? Who? The Son of Man, God's highest authority, His representative, governor of all the earth. It's me, Jesus says. That you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to you the more difficult line. Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. This is amazing. Because now the paralyzed man got up. He took up his bed and walked out in full view of them all. This is the miracle. He has been released from his bed. He's been released from the burden of his body. All that dead weight he's been packing around. All of this is proof. Something has happened on the inside of his heart. He's been released from his sins. You can see the invisible. It happened. And you can see it because he's on his way. The guy who is not paralyzed anymore, he's on his way glorifying God. He's making much of God. He's praising God. Quite a miracle. God has released the paralyzed man. And you need to bring this message to a close. What's the main thing? Jesus dealing with the heart, freeing this man's heart from captivity to sin. He's a new man now. If you've been released from your sin, you are a new man, you are a new woman, you're a new boy, you're a new girl. If you've been released from your sin, You glorify God now. That man, when we first met him, he was coming for some trouble, some paralysis. Maybe he had a spinal injury. The men who had carried him had such faith. Remember that? 
convinced it was worth breaking through a roof. And Jesus rewards such faith. You might come to me for something that was on your mind. But you've come to the right one. I have other things to talk about. Other things to name in your life. But you have come to the right one. You've come to the Son of Man. Forgiveness takes center stage. Secondary things. Maybe being paralyzed. This is why Jesus Christ came. That the good news of the kingdom. He was teaching about the good news. He was preaching about it. This is his whole ministry of the cross. That you would be set right before God. Released from your sins. And now this. Verse 26, and they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen, and there's a word, strange things today. And the word is not strange. The original Greek word, you actually know this Greek word, paradox. We have seen paradoxical things. That's why we're filled with awe. That's why we're glorifying God. That's why we're filled with fear. This is why we're worshiping. We are stunned. We have seen unexpected things. This has caught us off guard. Brothers and sisters, this should catch you off guard. How often don't we come to Jesus Christ? And we have something else on our mind than He has for us. What's on His mind? Jesus Christ has come to release you. He sets the prisoner free. He proclaims liberty to the captives. He proclaims freedom for you. Amen.